Welcome to the One County Podcast, where we talk with creators of all mediums about their work and why they do it. I'm your host, Andrew Paul Davis, and today we are shaking things up a bit. Uh, my friend Sean Seely was in town. Uh, we were working on his visual album called Liminal Souls, and I slightly laughed at that because I can't believe I did that. And we did that. It was like just a straight week of making music videos, and it was pretty wild. And I'm having another super wild week right now promoting um, my first feature film, Palace, which comes out this Friday, July 26th. And if you're listening in the future, hello from the past. I hope you are less busy. Um, but anyway, today we are talking about uh, the movie Inside Lewin Davis. Sean and I kind of discussed that, and he is a musician, as I said, so we kind of get a little bit of his perspective and kind of just talk about uh, the movie itself, of course, and sort of this theme of trying and failing and figuring out when's it time to quit. And I hope you enjoy. Okay. Sean, so we watched Inside Lewin Davis last night. We did. Have you thought about it really since we watched it? I've like tried to a couple times, but it's, I felt like it's one of those movies that impacted me so universally that it's hard to focus <laughs> on one thing so soon afterwards. That's a very Sean answer. Yeah. Universally. Um, it's funny, I watched an episode of The Sopranos like an hour after. Um, Whoa. <laughs> after watching Inside Lewin Davis, and it, it kind of messed me up a little bit. Um, in what way? In terms of, it made me not think about it as much today as I planned yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's like I'm about to like sing the praises for this movie, but I'm also, yeah. uh, I don't know, it didn't like haunt me today at all. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing I'll say about it, this is your first time seeing it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all the way through. We watched yeah. the first half of it two years right. ago. Right, yeah. Um, it's one of those movies I saw when it came out, I think it was like end of 2013, early 2014. Um and every time I've seen it, it's just sort of that, like, this feels, it's, it's one of those movies where you like, at first you see it and it feels like pretty foreign and like, you don't really mm. fully understand it or grasp it, sure. but you keep wanting to come back to it. And watching it last night, it was, um, very at home. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I understood every little corner of it. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, so you are more of the musician between us by far just like first thoughts that come to your mind in terms of like your own journey that you're on and coming out of that movie like how do you relate to it i mean while i was watching it something that stuck out to me was since i'm in very much in the process right now in my own life of trying to figure out like okay what am i doing that's working what's not working what am i not doing that could work for me very much like trying to in a very meta way analyze the different courses my life could take and what i'm doing right now to do that or not and so when i was watching his life i kept thinking about his choices and and to what extent choices were affecting his lack of success or like if it was fate or what like Mm. what the universe of the movie was trying to accent in that way it's so interesting like the the word choices totally came to mind for me last night Mm. too yeah. And that um, I was like, wait, are all movies like this? Or is like this movie is right. really popping out to me? Um, I felt like the movie was hammering it home a little bit. Yeah, sure. it's the Coen brothers have this weird like view of the world that that's at once very random and like unjust. Mm. And they're like, right. is not really a sense of karma in some ways. Sure. Um, 
yet also all these choices have consequences and have mm-hmm. outcomes um it seemed like every time he decided that his choices didn't have any outcomes he started to like believe in the chaos then he would make a choice that negatively impacted him mm. almost yeah i mean afterwards. It, it narratively like really straddles that like oh some hope and then it like kind right of yeah turns away from that yeah. which i guess if you're listening or watching to this and you haven't seen it um maybe go watch it before listening to this because we'll probably get into some spoilers as they say um so right when this movie starts off do you remember the first shot <laughs> silence i feel like it was yeah no i don't that's very much like the filmmaker in me but because the sort of in film theory they preach like first and last image very important mm-hmm. sort of like bookends and it's like the first image that comes to the audience and then what you leave them with and Sure. Some people, some filmmakers to like try really hard, maybe to like a fault to make them like mirrors of each other. Right. And like, um, but in a way, um, there should be a degree of like a story kind of, you know, reflected the first somewhere. page and the last page, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what was the first shot? It starts off on just a microphone. The microphone's by itself on like the right side of the frame. And then it pans over a little bit um, to reveal Lewin. Okay, and then yeah. the and then the the microphones in the left side of the frame, maybe. and those in the right side of the frame, and it's like super obvious. But like all objects we interact with are like useless without a um, mm. a human to use them. Sure, you know, yeah. or like any objects that humans have constructed. Yeah. Um, but I think about like a microphone and what it's for, and it's like to amplify. Right. And I think what um, I mean the movie is really about like Lewin. It, you and I personally were talking about like fame earlier today. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, I think a lot of us, like, I think every American secretly wants to be famous in some, <laughs> in some way. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe not cultural American for sure. Um, but I, I, it's like, I don't even think people want to be famous as much per se as they just want to sustain themselves through what they love. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's what Lewin's after. Right. And in a way, I feel like we're ill-fitted to talk about this movie because of our age <laughs> compared yeah. to his age. Right. Because it's like... He's been through a lot He's more been through a lot more... Attempts. You can see in his face a lot that mm-hmm. he's just like more weathered by failure yeah. <laughs> than either of us have had to face. Another interesting thing, um, bringing it back to the theme of choices, is I could see how like that weatheredness and uh, um, disillusionment, I guess, sort mm-hmm. of contributed to choices that like in the moment even as i was watching and maybe this is because i know a little bit about the music industry but sometimes he would do things and i would cringe i was like oh that's gonna bite him in the butt later financially yeah like the moment when the royalties yeah he just like needed the money right then yeah and then even later in the movie they came back to the concept of royalties when that lady at the dinner party was like i wish i was in your profession you make money so easily via royalties yeah yeah and Um, you just in that moment that he decided he just needed the money right then. Like, you could see that royalties maybe hadn't worked out so well for him in the past. Right. I and you've seen the beginning that Mel has nothing for yeah, him. Mel yeah. gives him like 40 bucks. He's personally. not getting royalties from the music he's made yeah. at all. And he also thinks the song is trash. That's <laughs> yeah. such a funny one in the song. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, I'm happy to be here, but who wrote this? <laughs> and Justin Timberlake's like an Adam Driver's me. character. <laughs> Outer space. That's like the most memorable thing from that movie is yeah. Adam Driver yeah it's very good um what, one like choice moment that stuck out to me is um when 
Carrie Mulligan's character um, is trying to get an abortion, and then he, he goes to the doctor, Lewin does, and right. the whole you know past relationship that he had, and this woman's now in Akron, and right. then he's driving from New York to Chicago, yeah. and there's a sign for Akron, right. either on the way there. It might have been the way back. It's the way back. Um, and how like that choice two years ago, I don't know, it's like he could have stopped there, and mm-hmm. that would change the trajectory of the movie. Yeah, so the, because right after that, wasn't it right after that they got pulled over? Yes. That's what happened, yeah. Yeah, and that's where the whole, like, lack of justice kind of comes in. It's, like, right. very random that this guy gets arrested. Sure. Um, yeah. So one other thing that I think the Coen brothers are super known for that stuck out to me with this that was, like, very successful in this movie, I think, is, like, how colorful the cast of characters are, just, like, on a personality basis. Right. yeah. And... Uh, I feel like a musician was like a perfect sort of starting point. Entry point into a world of there's all characters. different kinds of musicians yeah. that are so represented really Diversity. hysterically and like um, sure. And as soon as you think, I don't know, like sometimes you feel like Lewin's like the like dark like uh, kind right. of like angsty character yeah. in a sea of serial eating like army people <laughs> and uh and like jim who's like got a little bit more pep uh, sure. justin like musician um but then he gets in this car with the cigarette yeah, man who's like yep. way more mysterious way more like you know like <laughs> way yeah. more cool guy than lewin um, and then also the older jazz musician yeah who's just crazy what did you think about what he said as someone who's more into jazz than folk <laughs> <laughs> what he said like about the musical aspect of of like folk and like G yeah. G C G. Like yeah, that I don't know. I think I think art exists on. <laughs> here's my philosophy of aesthetics class coming back to aid me. Okay, good. Um, I feel like art exists on several different levels, and um, a lot of people only have the type of processing. I want to say power, but it's not processing power. It's processing patterns to be able to appreciate certain types of music. That's a really good word. Patterns. Um, yeah, I mean, so like with folk music and everything, like can start to feel repetitive, or, or everything is repetitive musically. Often, um, the enjoyment of that comes from like more of an appreciation of storytelling, and um, it's like an exercise in performance above form, mm-hmm. and it's more closely related to the art of acting. I think hmm. you think jazz um, is. No, I think focus. Oh, you think or, folk? Or focus is more reliant upon that skill, I think. On Not the performance. That, like, mm-hmm. Interesting. Not that you don't like, if you're a jazz musician too, you also want to have that right. skill. But I feel like folk is more um, entrenched. Jazz in is the music. Tradition. Like it's about right. the music. Yeah, yeah. And, and folk is also a lot about story. Mm. And, and the storyteller. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they choose to tell that story. Sure. Which is like what folk is always based on is like, how are you going to tell the story differently? Right. Than yeah. The generation like the before 10 you. million other people who sang these songs. But... Yeah. We took submissions from you, the audience, for this episode. The first one is from Stephen Day out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay, so I finished the film about a half an hour ago and. Um, I've been thinking about what I want to send in and what I want to bring to the table. And there's been one thing that's one idea that's sort of been lingering. And I think I want to talk about it. And it's just that 
this film is so untraditionally structured. Um, and I think it contributes to the plot of the film so well. And what I mean by that is I feel like with normal films, like traditionally a film is structured to, you know, have an inciting incident and a rising action and a climax and a falling action and a resolution. And the reason for that is so that the audiences always experience something that's, you know, really intense and really uh, attention grabbing and, and always is making them feel something, whether it's, you know, happy or tense or angry or uh, gratified. I feel like that's why that structure is put in place. Um, and this film sort of breaks that sort of completely. Um, and of course, this I could be, you know, totally wrong, but. I just feel like this film doesn't really have like a climax or a rising action, a falling action. I feel like what's so beautiful about this film is that it's so true to life. Um, it sort of breaks the structure of traditional films um, in such a good way, I think, because I feel like that that structure that I just mentioned is unrealistic because when you have this you know, inciting incident, rising action, climax, all of this intense emotional turmoil happening, it's not really true to life because life isn't always emotionally intense. Um, most of the time life is just sort of a little bit good or a little bit bad and you sort of have to deal with these small things along the way as you're sort of just going through your day-to-day -day life and that's what I feel like Inside Lewin Davis was, was a story where even though there wasn't emotionally intense plot points throughout the entire film, you still learned from every small thing that he had to go through. And um, I felt like that was just so real and so beautiful. And it was such an interesting experience to see, like, even though there aren't these intense wavering climax and, and resolution and falling action moments um, that just following Lewin Davis's, you know, day-to-day -day life can bring you just as much knowledge and learning about this character and about life as any other traditional film could. One, like, moment, I guess, in terms of, like, justice injustice is when Lewin gives up like three quarters of the way through the movie maybe a little bit after that point and he's like merchant marine i'm going back right. and there's such a like s bittersweet irony to like he can't go back because of these like different roadblocks between yeah. like license union you know and then yeah. he like spends the money and um pays his dues and then he can't pay right. for to get the license again and um it's funny because it's like he he's like broken down to like having wanting to just like give up music which is a huge deal right for like a musician to say like i'm not I'm gonna done. do this anymore especially after the amount of commitment he's put into yeah. it yeah it's like clearly someone who has the bug like anyone you see playing mm -hmm. at a place like the gaslight right <laughs> um yeah he goes to do this job and then can't get back so then he goes back to playing but then yeah. he gets beat up right so then it's like, right right it, it's a very perfect ending and that you uh 
Like, what is he going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't really even thought about that. Like, how what, do you, what choice do you afterwards. think he'll make? I don't know. But I, the way I, like, interpreted the ending is I, I love the way they sort of set up this moment or the, the expectation that we are going to potentially, like, our hero was finally going to get discovered at the gaslight on this one final performance. Yeah. Carrie Mulligan or whatever her character's name was. was uh -huh. Just come this one time. The New York Times will be there. The audience member, I'm thinking, they're going to see him. Yeah. This is going to be his big break. They really tease. Because that's the way sports movies, artist movies. Yeah. That's always totally. the arc. Of La La like, of like I'm beaten down, I'm beaten down, I'm beaten down, I succeed. Sure. But at like Inside Lewin Davis on just like a purely representational level really? gives a more honest portrait of like, yeah. no one's guaranteed success. Yeah. In whatever way you want to define that. But no, yeah. no one's guaranteed um, applause mm -hmm. <laughs> you know the funny thing is that sort of storyline for me even though that that's not what i want my story to be right. and that's certainly not what i intend my story to be right <laughs> that type of story is actually more encouraging to me than yeah. the story when like you try you try you try and then finally you make it because that story is about the moment when mm -hmm. you make it which is not something someone who hasn't quote unquote mm -hmm. whatever that means made it yet can mm -hmm. relate to what it actually is day after day mm -hmm. is inside Lou and Davis scenario. Yeah. I remember when we finished watching it, we were just like, silence, watch all the credits. Yeah. Five minutes of silence. I like what got up and did something else. And then you just started playing guitar. <laughs> yeah. And I, I totally felt <laughs> the only too, thing like, I could do. A weird sense of motivation after such an abysmal ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. That I wasn't like expecting to feel because I remembered how it ended. That's interesting. I wasn't feeling like personal motivation to succeed so much as I was feeling the need to sort of process how his story related to mine by interacting with the same art form that he participated in mm -hmm. in my own personal way mm -hmm. by like grabbing the rustiest oldest <laughs> guitar available to me at the moment mm -hmm. and just like playing some some folk songs that i had written mm -hmm. that was my way of processing what do you think of um i don't know do you have any thoughts on the cat like yeah. it's a narrative i mean that's a huge thing um, it's funny, I, I did watch one, as annoying as it sounds, like video essay like six months ago about the cat and Inside Lewin Davis because there's a famous screenwriting cool. book called Save the Cat. Yeah. It's one of the I most, don't know. Like, I talk about it, yourself. It's, it's one of the most like famous um, screenwriting books out there. And that's like literally becomes the mission of the movie right. from two directors who aren't necessarily like the most like... Uh, Pixar to a T, like storytellers in the traditional sense. Right. Um, but I, I felt like what the cat did was like, I think more so than sort of get annoyed at myself and other people and trying to like metaphoricalize everything mm. and that like this is what the cat represents. Mm -hmm. But what it brought out of Lewin to me was like it externalized his frustrations with like not being able to mm. win in this industry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so instead of like, Dolly and DeLuan, he's alone in the apartment and he's like upset that he's not more successful at music. Mm -hmm. Instead, he's like, I got to get this cat, you know? Yeah. And it yeah. totally matches up really perfectly sure. with everything else that's going on with his music yeah, career. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but you're totally right. Especially like the shenanigans on the road with the cat. Yeah. And that whole debacle of a road trip. Yeah. I really don't know the like which cat was it like was that a different cat when he runs <laughs> yeah. over a cat yeah um 
but that's all super interesting. Okay, well, one thought I did have earlier was uh, when you were talking about the false hope of like the last gaslight mm-hmm. performance. Um, I feel that I felt that so much, especially the first time I saw it, but still every time I see it when he's mm-hmm. like in Chicago with um, Buddy. Yeah. No, what's his name? Um, M- M- not Mel. You're talking about the the guy who's yeah, like an executive. Yeah, producer or something. Um, Just the guy yeah. in Chicago yeah. who can help Lewin's career, right? Um, yeah. With the cool face and the cool venue, um, <laughs> they just like they really build that tension up. And there's also this shot. It's like Lewin's walking through the snow. He like gets his foot wet, mm-hmm. and then he like the camera dollies in. And there's always these sense, the sense of like individual destiny that mm. we feel with Lewin as we carry on. Yeah. Of like, he's onto something. Yeah. We never see that or get that satisfaction. Right. But we also get that feeling while he's performing for that oh, guy. Oh, totally. It's yeah. like, there's these like soft dolly-ins on the guy. And he's yeah. like, oh, he, he might be receiving Lewin's yeah. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this goes back to our choices discussion because I think Queen Jane is Lewin's worst song. <laughs> oh, is that the one he sang the, the, for? The song he sang for that guy? Interesting. I think all of his other songs are a little better. So I kind yeah. of wonder if he would have chosen to play a different song for this guy. Right. Where this guy would had a, a different reaction. That's interesting. I do remember thinking during that performance, I was like, okay, well, this isn't the coolest song ever. Yeah. I was thinking, but it was it's like... still sweet. But it was still like a super sweet and intimate and they were setting up the scene to be a very like oh man, he's really getting personal with this song. Yeah. And they did do the reaction shots. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. His performance That's is so good in this movie. Is. Yeah. And I sort of, I mean, we all like want our stars to like stay in like a certain moment in time right before they like really blew up, like Oscar Isaac going into Star Wars. But mm. he like, he has a small role in Drive and then he did this and I was like, I love this guy. Like he's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he was really good. Thinking about choices, something else that uh, you can see long-term impacting his life is like the theme of him never quite healing from the death of his friend. Yeah. And the way he's like... I mean, that's huge in the movie. Yeah. Uh, And like his reaction to someone singing harmony with him. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that it becomes apparent as the movie goes on that he would be more successful as a duo act, but he just can't do it Mm -hmm. because he he still misses his friend. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that's huge. I mean, yeah. it's like recent tragedy is always like a great place to like start a story. <laughs> right. You know, like yeah. with Mike's passing. And I mean, that really like, if you if you let yourself forget that too much, you might become like, okay, why is Lewin like this? Right. But it kind of like really justifies his demeanor and like right. his uh, musician sarcasm that's like pretty... On yeah, high, most right. Yeah, you know? it totally is. I mean, I guess like talking earlier when I mentioned like most of us don't actually want fame. We just want to sustain ourselves through our creativity. Yeah. Also, like um, feel some level of recognition. Yeah. Um, do you think? I don't know. It's like I look at like Lewin had a good crowd like before Bob Dylan goes up at the end. Right. Um, but it's still just like. He's not getting any money from it, so he can't see the success in it. And he's not getting yeah. the recognition or the write-ups for it. Right. Um, but I always think about, like, I mean, the One County podcast as an entity is probably, is just, like, leans altruistic mm-hmm. in the way that, like, 
I, you know, I want other people to see value. And like, if you're performing for 30 people, like that's awesome. You know, right. yeah. 20, 30, 60, a hundred, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be 10,000. It's still meaningful. Yeah. If you make it meaningful. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the movie starts off with like these different shots of people listening to Lewin perform. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, on the Sam podcast in episode two, he talked about how shooting photos and stuff, it changes his life, it changes her, his perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but something I don't see Lewin take, not to like judge him too much, but he doesn't seem to take too much of an active interest in how his music sure. impacts other individuals. That's interesting. Like, so totally help him. Yeah. And yeah. I think like, you know, as, as painful as the performing at the the Gorefine's dinner ends up being, right. it's like opportunities like that are good opportunities to like be a nice person, make people want to go see your whole set sure. when you play the next week. But sure. he, you know, successfully pisses off his sister mm-hmm. and like everyone, just kind of everyone. Yeah. And I feel like that's pretty indicative of like a, a mindset. Um, I don't want to say flaw because it's not like he's done like he's made an immoral mindset choice, but it, but it's something that's holding him back. Mm. That probably shifted after the death of his friend that he like, that he sees the request, the random request for him to perform mm-hmm. as like an insult to his craft or something that he's like, yeah. that instantly triggers him mm-hmm. rather than excites him. Yeah. And when he's performing, like you were talking about at the beginning and all those people are listening and he doesn't take very much personal satisfaction from it. Mm-hmm. It's because he's not like, as a performer, as a live performer, certainly, like you said about what Sam said, you're like changing, you change. And when you're performing for an audience, you change together. And mm-hmm. that's part of what makes a performance mm-hmm. magical and meaningful for the performer and the audience. Mm-hmm. And if he's missing out on that, then that's probably what influenced the strong reaction during dinner. I think something hypocritical and like intentional from the Coens is he gets all like, this is my work, you know, it's like, I'm yeah. not like a circus gesture artist. Right. Like this is my like day job, you know, this is how I yeah. make money. He like yeah. calls it that. But then he's like driving to Chicago with these two people and he's like annoying them playing his guitar. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's almost yeah. like he wants, you know, I don't think he'll ever find that balance of like wanting people to hear him play versus like trying to convince people to want them to hear him play. Yeah, It seems like he's like, I don't know. It's he's sort of like uncomfortable. This next audience thought comes from Cam Glass in Austin, Texas, and he sent me a voice memo, and I sent it to my computer, and for some reason, it sounds like a 1700s radio. Enjoy. Inside Lewin Davis, the Cohen Brothers, wonderful film, guys. You asked, when is it time to quit? I believe the question was. And for, I feel like it's different for every character, but um, for Inside Lewin Davis, I personally feel like he's not gonna quit because the film starts and ends with the same scene, him getting beaten up. And then as the guy's driving away, after he gets his butt beat, he says au revoir or something, kind of like, still has a sense of humor about it. You know, he's been getting beat up the whole movie. He's just been getting rejected, making the wrong decisions, keeps on choking. But um, like definitely another shot that really sticks out and kind of puts into perspective how I feel his mindset is, if that makes any sense at all, is um, the shot of him walking away from the city through the snow with his uh, guitar case and all that. 
uh, that's just descriptive of his mentality about folk songs. He's really burnt out, but he uh, catches a new talent, you know, Bob Dylan, as he's exiting the bar, kind of maybe sparks something in him. And uh, I feel like he'll uh, be able to ride out some inspiration off that maybe. I don't know. That's just my optimistic outlook because I kind of like the character and I, uh, his camaraderie with the cat and all that. It's, a, it's definitely a good film. Slow burn, as Cohen films are, but I think the visual tone really, really compliments the film. And Oscar Isaac, man, the debut, in my opinion, I didn't, I didn't really know about him too much before that. And uh, I like seeing a fresh face on screen. And, uh, like, the first time, like, in a big movie, a new face. It's really refreshing. So uh, that was, like, a big break for him. And he could really sing Fare Thee Well, guys, one of my favorite songs. Come on. It's a classic. Thank you for having me. I'm out. Peace. What I want, what I like thought this <laughs> podcast would be about was like, the like when is there a time where you throw in the towel? Basically, like when mm. do you quit? And I mean, let me like dig back into you again about like do you think because like lewin seems super set on like i'm going to the merchant marine but then he can't so then he goes to the music and then he gets like beaten up destroyed Mm -hmm. so it's like do you think it's like he's gonna do what he needs to do to like get back to the merchant marine and is he like at that point in his life where it's like middle ages here i come switching gears no more music right or do you think he's like gonna keep doing music (laughs) in that way I mean, from a, like a from an objective perspective, like stepping back and analyzing it for a second, I feel like he has reached the threshold, but it's not the threshold of life circumstances. It's the threshold of his own mental um, agility, I guess, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. His ability to take the BS in stride mm-hmm. has deteriorated through mm-hmm. things like his musician sarcasm, which is so at so high a threshold and his cynicism. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's what ultimately makes him does him in and makes it all too hard for him. Um, as to like whether he will or not, honestly, it, it seemed to me that um, he was so he was in such a like weakened psychological state that whatever he does, it will be whatever his circumstances have allowed him to do. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he he went he like. He thought the circumstances were not allowing him to do music anymore. So he's like, okay, what can I do that life will allow me to do mm-hmm. where I don't have to like take what I can't take anymore? And he goes to the Merchant Marines and then they say no. So he goes back to music. He's like no longer directing himself. Yeah. He's like entered a state of floating wherever yeah. life is. He can't control. Him. Yeah. I mean, he says anymore. to Gene earlier, it's like you're trying to blueprint your future, which is something he like right can't do for himself and he's like yeah. really trying to do <laughs> right and he criticizes her for trying to yeah. do that yeah but yeah there's this time like i think in the second half of the movie where it's like he's going through his address book and he's just like ah, yeah like i can't keep staying at other people's right. apartments yeah like he's ready to like get his own place stop mm-hmm. asking people for favors that he just ends up pissing off right and um i don't know i mean i kind of it's a little pessimistic and not of the nature of this podcast, as I kind of said, but I, I think the like contrast of like 
playing before Dylan and then getting beat beat up while Bob <laughs> Dylan plays in 1961 yeah. before he blows up. That there's like a contrast there, and that it's like sure. Lewin is. Um, it's not meant to be him. <laughs> right. Timing is off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just end the podcast there. It's like, no. <laughs> Fate said no. That, that might be you. Enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I can't really like take the movie and like turn it into this like, this positive like philosophical right. thing you can learn from right. this. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. very matter of fact in a way that's... Yeah really honest <laughs> yeah and going back to your question at what point do you do you quit like when you said that it definitely like yeah. set me back a little bit like oh he's gonna make me like go there and that's fine but but now that i've had 30 seconds i can so here we go <laughs> okay um i think i think uh the point at which you quit is the point at which you um a, and I'm going to dig more into this in a second, is the, the moment at which it's not worth it anymore. And the moment at which it becomes not worth it is when you stop being able to, um, um, I guess this is really uneloquent, but you stop being able to enjoy it. Just collect joy. Yeah, from collect joy. Because if you're not collecting joy as you're going, it's, it's too hard. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. Mm -hmm. It's not fun to try and try and try and fail and fail and fail but what is fun is to create things that you find fulfilling to find mm -hmm. ways to like get other people to appreciate them and if it like doesn't work then um if you're still like finding joy in it then you can try again and again and again for mm -hmm. infinity as long as you retain a good attitude mm -hmm. i think one podcast topic in of itself that i want to do in the future and like maybe get like multiple perspectives on it is just really like most people who practice creativity have like a pretty strong stance on like i want to fully monetize this and this is going to be my job right and like i'm going to try as hard as possible to not do anything else except for this and if it right. means i make eight hundred dollars a month or <laughs> two thousand dollars a month yeah. or whatever yeah. it ends up being and usually it's not the same every month right um you know, there's people who go that path. And then there's mm -hmm. people who say, I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to go to work somewhere else. And it's sure. not going to be my passion, but I'm going to try to find something that's like, I can be a little passionate about. Right. And then I'll, I'll still practice my craft right. out of a hobby, mm -hmm. but still like a strong passion. Sure. Which. Sure. With intentionality. Um, I feel like I really get both perspectives, mm -hmm. you know, I think. Yeah. And you're like trying to figure yeah. that out right now of like yeah and i like definitely for my own preference i definitely <laughs> would lean toward the first yeah the first option but it, the reason is it's not because i'm adverse to getting money from other sources believe me money from any and all sources <laughs> is welcome here but um <laughs> but just the i the fact that i know that the more time i spend with my craft the more I'll be able to give mm. and like at my most creative and at my best, the motivation to give what I can give is the most powerful and is what ultimately produces the best work mm -hmm. in me. And so, um, and so for my mind, monetizing it is, uh, isn't just like 
oh, that's cool because I get to like hang out most of the day and then do what I love. It's not really about that dream because that dream happens kind of a long way down the road or whatever point, you know, that, that'll happen. But for most of it, it's just going to be um, honing your craft mm -hmm. and getting, being able to give more. Mm -hmm. I haven't thought maybe enough about like how individual value can grow in the same way right. of like, like, uh, like investing in something literally sure you know yeah, like the yeah. way things grow over time yeah. um you know someone getting better and better at their craft it's like you know picasso with a paintbrush is worth millions and millions of dollars mm -hmm. me with a paintbrush i've tried to make worth 20 dollars and it hasn't worked right. <laughs> you know? like, yeah that's yeah, not yeah. a thing um but like <laughs> me with a blank page you know mm -hmm. said to write a script and then film it is worth i don't know ten thousand right. dollars right now yeah yeah <laughs> but it might be worth a hundred thousand dollars down the road sure or who knows um but it's about getting better mm -hmm. and like becoming someone that's more and more worth listening to yeah i mean i've become very conscious of that lately i feel like i've also this is very nice and probably honestly should have happened years ago but I've become very aware lately of um, art as a technical skill, mm. something that like the intuition and creativity is there and it's been there the whole time. And that will develop naturally mm -hmm. um, in the same way that like people change. But that like that spark of creativity that is the essence of what makes you you mm -hmm. isn't actually like the thing that is being improved so that your art improves mm. in my experience what's improving is like your the technical skills and knowledge um and your the choices you make your instinct for making uh wiser choices oh yeah and are that are able to like better execute the spark of imagination mm -hmm. that you have i mean if you look at any art form it's like late 30s into 40s is when like tons of people hit their strides and yeah. like do their like yeah. magnum opus they do their big work right um i think what like we have at this age that we won't have then is just like hungry energy to mm -hmm. make you know yeah and we don't yeah. necessarily have like the full maturity to like make all the most wise like sure aesthetic choices or yeah content choices yeah but yeah. uh we have the energy to like produce and practice to get to that point where we'll be giving our best work we will age like fine wine yes yes <laughs> yeah and that's honestly like a thought that can trip me out sometimes if i think about it for too long like the concept <laughs> of my best work will happen when i'm 30 and 40 yeah which and this isn't like necessarily a productive thought but it, i also don't like don't let it trouble me too much but mm -hmm. just thinking like okay what am i making now <laughs> what is this and how because i believe so strongly in what i'm making now and in the form that i've chosen to represent it in mm -hmm. and um it's just sort of weird to think about the personal arcs of transformation of different forms that you choose, if that makes sense. Did that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. 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 I've been thinking about that a lot lately since I bounced around so much from genres and mediums mm -hmm. that it creates a sense of dysphoria when I try to think into the future as to what I will make. That's really weird to think about like future tastes like right. 15 years from now. Yeah. It's very. Yeah. That's very, very weird to think about.
thank you all for listening. Um, let me know if you liked this. I, I think it would be really cool to just kind of watch more movies together in synchronization of uh, sort of about the artist. You know, I can think of a lot of um, movies about the creative process, about creators, and uh, I think it's a cool way to for us to all do stuff together, I don't know, um, in sort of a weird internet fun way. And also, I, you know, I just like uh, thinking about movies this way, and it's a, it's a good way to explore sort of the, the theme of this podcast. So, I don't know, message me on Instagram, One County Film, or my personal one, Andrew Paul Davis, and just say, hey, I like that. Do it once a month or something. I don't know. Other than that, we had some music by... Dan Reed, as we always do in our long, ancient eight-week history, um, Dan has faithfully provided his music. Uh, you can find him at soundcloud.com slash danreed, and I believe that is all. Have a great week. Have a great week.